Well, good morning to uh, everyone over in Quakertown. I miss you guys a ton. Um, we did a little bit of a swap today. Jason, our student ministry pastor, and, and Justin, our worship leader here in Sowerton, are over there with you guys, while Wayne and myself have come over here. Uh, so we can't wait to see you guys next week, and we hope you have an awesome Labor Day tomorrow. And for those of you who are new to Calvary Church and you're sitting here and you're like, what is going on? Who is he talking to? Uh, we are one church uh, and we are in two locations. We have our Sowerton campus and then we have our Quakertown campus. Uh, and usually every week I get to hang out with an awesome group of people up in Quakertown. And if you're new, you need to know that every Sunday we have the same desire. We have the same goal week after week. Our desire is that you hear a relevant explanation of the gospel and experience the lived-out application of the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, we believe that it is relevant to our lives, that it is not an antiquated message, it is something that applies to our culture today. And if our goal every Sunday is to present the message of Jesus, present the gospel in a way that is relevant to everyone who is hearing it in our culture, then one of the implied applications of that is that we need to understand our culture. And so we pay attention to the artists of our culture. We pay attention to the musicians of our culture. And so we pay attention to the media of our culture, and, and we pay attention to the messages that are being said, the, and we pay attention to the rhythm and the heartbeat of our culture. And that's important for me to do as, as one of the pastors here, and it's important for me to pay attention to what's going on with, with all of you. And, and as crazy as it sounds, it's important for me to pay attention to what's going on with the Eagles. I mean, seriously. I mean, I have to pay attention because this is the community I live in. I live in a community filled with people who root for the reigning Super Bowl champions. Yeah. It's a new season, okay? <laughs> but it's important. If the gospel is relevant to our culture, we need to understand what's going on in our culture and pay attention to the rhythm and heartbeat of our culture. And sometimes that's fun, whether it's through music. Sometimes it's fun, whether it's just bantering about football back and forth. And sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes we need to pay attention to when things are happening in our community that involve pain or heartbreak or sorrow. And today we're going to take a look at something that's been going on in our community, something that's been impacting the families in our community in such a way that we cannot stand back and stay silent. We need to bring the gospel to those who need to hear it. According to the County Health Rankings website, in Bucks and Montgomery County, in Bucks and Montgomery County alone, in 2016, there were 822 deaths that occurred because of an overdose. In 2016, there were 822 deaths. In 2017, there were 874. At the time of putting this data together, so far in 2018, we're not even through a full year. In Bucks and Montgomery County, there have been 1,044 overdose deaths. According to an article in U.S. News, in 2017, the death toll for those who died from an overdose death had risen so dramatically 
that has surpassed the amount of lives that we lost, amount of U.S. military lives we lost in the entire Vietnam War. We lost more people last year because of drug overdoses than we did in an entire war. What do we do about that? As a church, what do we do about that? What is our response supposed to be? The title of today's message is Compassionate Pursuit. And when you hear that, depending on where you are in life or depending on how this has impacted you, you may have positive feelings about that title. You may have negative feelings. But what I ask of you is just to let it be played out because there's multiple layers to our response. You see, in the Bible, there's a story of a man who was sent by God to this group of people who were headed to destruction. Not only were they headed to destruction, they had caused a ton of destruction on their way. In fact, this man was part of the people of Israel, and he was sent to this group of people that had caused so much heartache, so much hurt, so much uh, just destruction to the people of Israel. And he was sent with a message from God. And as we look at this man's response to God's mission, I think we need to pay attention to his response and see how that impacts our response. Today we're going to be talking about a man named Jonah. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Jonah. If you don't have a Bible, there are different ways to follow along. You can read up on the screens here. You can take out your phone or your tablet and go to the Bible app or the Bible Gateway app. Both are great apps for reading the Bible. Or you can use one of the Bibles that we have at Calvary Church. You can start in there in the seat rack in front of you. In Quakertown, they're in the back of the room on some carts. Just get up and go and get one, uh, or raise your hand and usher will bring one to you. And if you're in Quakertown or in Sowerton and you don't own a Bible, take it home. It's our gift to you. It's free. We believe that reading the Bible has the potential to impact your life, so we want you to take one home. And if you've never read one before, give us a call. We'd love to help you with that. We're going to be reading from Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and called and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Okay, we're going to stop there. So this book starts in a pretty typical way. Okay, so Jonah is a prophet, and, and what a, a prophet did was he, they were a spokesperson for God. They, they told the message that God had for someone. They were the ones who spoke that message. They were the mouthpieces for God. And so the book of Jonah starts in a typical fashion. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. That's how Uh, The book of Joel starts. That's how the next book, Micah, starts. That's how Hosea starts. That is very typical way of starting. The word of the Lord came to. But Jonah is unlike any of the books of the prophets in the Bible. His, His book is kind of flipped upside down and goes against everything that should be normal. 
See, what should have happened is the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and then what should follow is the message that God had, a detailed declaration of what God's word was. And what happens in this next statement is the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and what happens is that God gives Jonah a mission. He gives him a task to do, and now that's not completely unheard of. In in Hosea, God gives Hosea a task to do. That's not the crazy part. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. God gives Jonah a mission to be a spokesperson. When he tells him what to do, there's a mission, and what turns everything upside down is Jonah's response. Jonah's response. What does he do? He flees God. And what happens next is this crazy story. This intense story that just, it just, it just turns everything backwards. Jonah, the man of God, the man who is this prophet, the man who God has called, is given this message by God. He runs away, gets onto a boat, and starts to sail away to the farthest port that he can get to. He goes to this place called Tarshish. But God sends this storm after Jonah. The storm rocks the boat so crazy that the, this crazy event happens, and ultimately what ends up happening is the sailors take Jonah and toss him into the sea. The storm quiets down. There's Jonah. He's kind of floating down. There's Nemo who goes by and Dorian. They're, they're all, he's going down. And God says this big fish, and Jonah is swallowed up. And, and what's crazy about the story of Jonah is that we focus on the fish. We focus on the fish. If you ever heard this story before, if you ever heard it growing up, what would you have heard? You would have heard Jonah and the whale, which the Bible doesn't even say a whale. It says a big fish, a great fish, and that's all you focus on. Any kind of picture book of Jonah, any kind of nursery decoration of Jonah, any movie of VeggieTales with Jonah talks about this big fish. That's the cover. It's this big fish. But the big fish is a small part of the story. And we focus so much on that big fish that we lose sight of what's going on. God sends this big fish, swallows up Jonah. He vomits him out on the shore. And God tells him again, go to Nineveh. Jonah finally goes. And he preaches one of the shortest sermons imaginable. He goes to Nineveh and he says... 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. Short and to the point. No, that is not the kind of sermon you're getting today. 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And what ends up happening is that the people listen. The king, the, the king of Nineveh, the king of this city, listens He hears, and he calls on the people to change their ways. And this this complete radical change throughout the whole city happens. And God notices this change, and he decides to have mercy. Happy ending, right? Happily ever after. That's not the end of the story. Jonah goes out of the city, goes east of the city, and he sits down and has a temper tantrum. He stomps his feet. He cries out in anger. 
And God comes back to Jonah again. And we're left with this unsettling ending because we, in this story, we don't know if Jonah ever got it. It's this wild story. And Jonah's response to his mission follows this, this ridiculous progression. He resists the mission that God gives him. And then he reluctantly participates in it. And then we find him at the end resenting the result of his mission. He resists, he's reluctant, and he resents the mission of God. What is his deal? I mean, what is Jonah's problem? What's going on with him? I mean, it would make sense if when we were reading this story, maybe this is what's happened. Maybe when we read the story, Jonah was afraid. Because you need to understand the people of Nineveh at the time. The people of Nineveh were horrific in how they dealt with their enemies. They were brutal. And it would make sense if Jonah resisted this mission because he was afraid. It would make sense if Jonah resisted the mission because he was like, I don't want to die. It would make sense if Jonah resisted the mission because he didn't want it to fail. He didn't want to be a failure. That would make sense. That's not why Jonah resisted the mission. That's not why he resisted the mission. You see, in chapter 4, we're given the explanation for Jonah's resistance. And in this chapter, we learn a little bit about the heart of Jonah. And in learning about the heart of Jonah, we learn about the heart of God. Why is Jonah so resistant? Why is he so reluctant? Why is he so resentful? Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. This is after Jonah goes through the city. It's after he says his short and sweet uh, message. It's after God has mercy on the people of Nineveh. This is Jonah's response. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Are you serious? This is his, this is, this is his comeback to God. This is his diss to God. You're compassionate. Like he's mad at God for being compassionate. He's accusing God. This is his accusation. You are a loving God. He's like, that's why I didn't do this. I knew you were loving. Jonah resented his mission because of God's compassion. He claimed the truth for himself. He claims the truth for himself. He knows it to be true. And it's okay if it's true to him. It's okay if it's true to the people that he wants to assign that truth to. But there are certain people in Jonah's lives that this truth should not be true for. Because he assigns a hierarchy of value. And he resists the mission that God has given him. Because in his mind... The recipients were not worthy. 
And what I'm afraid of is that we can become just like that. And for some of you, you might be like, you know what, that's kind of a bit of an exaggeration. You jump to a conclusion that I don't appreciate because I believe that God's love is for everyone. And you know what, if I were to go and talk to all of you, and if you were to talk to me, we would probably say, many of us would say, God's love is for everyone. God's love is for everyone. And we would say the right words, and I would tell you the right thing. I would say to you, God's love is for everyone. God so loved the world. But what I'm worried about is that I say the right things, and those words ring hollow. I'm worried that I can know the truth and say that God loves everyone, but my words ring hollow. 1,044 lives in our two counties. 1,044 daughters and sons, wives and husbands, nephews and nieces, moms and dads, friends, and some of them connected to people in this room and to the people in Quakertown. 1,044 people around us. It's not a number. It's real people with real families, real friends, real hurts. People that you might have just bumped into in the grocery store, people that might be seated seated in the same row as you. And if I sit back and I do nothing, if I sit back and I clap my hands while I sing songs in church, but I don't extend my hand to help those in need, If I sit back and remain silent, I am no better than Jonah. Which heart will my heart mirror? Which heart will my heart mirror? Because if you look at God's heart, if you look at Jonah's description of God's heart, it is a compassionate heart. It is a powerful compassion. It is a determined compassion. We look at Jonah's description of God's heart and we see his assigning of this value system in recognition of that heart and we see how Jonah's heart does not mirror God's heart and in fact it does the exact opposite and discriminates its compassion. See, the truth of the matter is, is that Jonah's heart issue began with an incorrect assessment of himself. It was an incorrect assessment of himself. And you see, the problem for me, and for maybe for you, when it comes to the drug epidemic, when it comes to those around us, who are suffering from such horrific pain, when it comes to that, I could very well be making an incorrect assessment of myself. Whether I'm subconsciously or consciously doing that, the truth of the matter is, is that we all have struggles. 
Every story of addiction is complicated and it's unique. There is no one story. But there are differing factors that contribute to each story. And yet, there are similarities. And the similarities begin with a sense of, of emptiness. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we are truly honest, we sit there and we allow ourselves to be honest with our own heart, we will realize that it starts with an existence of a hungry heart. And there are times when that hungry heart is expressed in each and every life here. And in the midst of this hunger, we try to fill that hole and we reach for something. Maybe it's the gym. Maybe it's your credit card. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a bottle. Maybe it's a pill. And, you, and, and here's the thing. The result of that reaching, the result of that is that it works. There's relief. You reach for something for a reason. When you reach for something, you get that relief that satisfies that hunger in your heart for a moment. For a moment. And then after a while, what you reach for doesn't seem to satisfy you in a way that it used to, so you must reach for more. And then after that, you must reach for more, and you reach for more, and you reach for more, and you reach for more, and the end result of every story of addiction, regardless of what it is that you are reaching for, is that you end up in bondage. Charles once said it really well. Charles said that when the thing you use to relieve stress now becomes the cause for your stress, you are now trapped. Addiction is a universal problem. And the issue is, is that sometimes we reach for things that are more socially acceptable. We judge the alcoholic and celebrate the workaholic. We smile and roll our eyes at the sports fanatic, but we sneer at the drug addict. Regardless of what is being reached for, addictions are the cries that ring out from the cravings of our heart. And it is when we reach for something that only God can fill, when we reach for something else to fill a vacuum that only God can fill, that we're headed the wrong way. See, the root of the drug epidemic is not a political root. The foundation of the drug epidemic is not a political foundation. The foundation of the drug epidemic is not an economic foundation. The foundation of the drug epidemic is a heart issue. We're dealing with people's hearts. And it is a struggle that anyone in this room or in the room in Quakertown can fall to. 
it is a struggle that this person standing in front of you can fall to. It is a heart issue. And Jonah doesn't get it. He judges the people he is sent to. He judges the people of Nineveh, but he doesn't see his own heart. Jonah knew the truth about God's generous love. Jonah knew the truth about God's compassion. But what he doesn't realize is that his story is completely filled with that grace and compassion. You see, there is a compassionate pursuit in the book of Jonah. There is a pursuit by God in the book of Jonah. Who is God pursuing? You could say Nineveh, and you would be right. You would be right. God does pursue the people of Nineveh. But when it comes to the story, when it comes to the actions of the story, in order to pursue something, something has to be moving away from you. Who does God pursue? He pursues Jonah. Jonah flees from God. He flees from the mission from God and he gets on a boat and sails away. God sends a storm after Jonah. Jonah's flung into the very depths of the ocean, into the sea. God sends a fish after Jonah. God comes to Jonah on the shore. God goes out of the city to Jonah and talks to him outside of the city. God is constantly over and over and over again pursuing Jonah. And he rescues Jonah over and over and over and over again. And that is extremely important. And the reason it's important is because of this. Rescued people rescue people. Rescued people rescue people. Rescued people better do everything in pursuit of rescuing others. So what is our response to the drug epidemic around us? What is it supposed to be? It's not supposed to be like Jonah. It's not one of resisting the mission, being reluctant in the mission, and resenting the mission. Our response cannot be that of Jonah's. Our response needs to be like Jesus. Jesus did not resist the mission. He was relentless with the mission. And he did anything and everything to claim us back, even going to death on a cross. Jesus did not reluctantly participate in this mission, but he participated in this mission with a resolve. A resolve that allowed him to cry out in tears and in agony as he prayed in a garden to God his Father, crying out to him, but being resolved to do the will of his Father. Jesus does not resent his mission. In fact, when any choose to follow Jesus, Jesus rejoices like crazy and all of heaven does with him.
we are to continue this mission like Jesus. So what does that look like for Calvary Church when it comes to the drug epidemic? Like, I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? So give us some actions. What are our steps that we need to do for this mission to Calvary Church? Okay, here I'm going to tell you the action steps, okay? And it's going to be summed up into two words. It's gonna be some, all of the applications can be summed up into two words. And here's how it goes. It depends. It depends. I don't know. I don't know what God's calling you to do. I don't know what God's mission for you is. Here's what I do know. I'm not going to give you a step one, step two, step three application. I'm not going to give you a checklist because what we do with checklists is we go down the checklist and they're good because they tell us what to do, but they also tell us when we're done. That doesn't work for this. It doesn't work for this. There is no step-by-step rule book to follow when it comes to this. This is the gospel that needs to get to lives of people who need the gospel desperately. There's no rule book. There's no step-by-step way to do it. And, 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 And here's what I do know. Your response is not to wait for Calvary Church and its leaders to form some sort of ministry, event, or class. That's not your response. I don't know what you're supposed to do. It's between you and God. But what I can tell you is I can tell you stories. I can tell you stories of people who responded. Let me tell you about Kim Hogan. Kim Hogan was inspired by her own son's personal addiction. And when her son's childhood friend finally died of that addiction, and she looked at her own son who was struggling with the same addiction, she decided she could not sit back and do nothing. She had to do something. And so Kim started Hope Against Heroin. You know how Hope Against Heroin started? It started out, started out as a Facebook page. That's all. It started out as a Facebook page. It's now a nonprofit organization. It actually was the beneficiary of our 5K that we did a few months back. Hope Against Heroin particularly aims at those who are leaving prison or rehab because what we have learned is that that is the most dangerous spot for recovering addicts. Maybe you need to find out about Hope Against Heroin. Maybe you need to support Kim. Maybe you need to find out how to volunteer with Kim. I don't know. Let me tell you about someone else. Let me tell you about Vinny Sturdivant. Vinny leads Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights over at Morningstar Church in Quakertown. For Vinny, he creates an environment that lets people know that Celebrate Recovery is a safe place to get real about your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups. And while drug addiction is only one of the areas that Celebrate Recovery deals with, it deals with many other areas of life. What CR has done in the lives of the people of our community in Quakertown who have been hit by this drug epidemic, whether it is someone who struggles with addiction themselves or whether it is a family member who has been impacted by the 
pain and heartache that results from having a family member with drug addiction. What CR has done is amazing. And if you're in Quakertown, you can reach out to Fred Redder or to Wanda Koffel, and you can ask them about Celebrate Recovery because they are our contact people for there. And their information is going to be in the top five card over the next couple of weeks. Maybe you need to find out about Celebrate Recovery. Maybe you have someone in your life who needs to be there. Maybe you need to go with them on a Tuesday night so they don't go alone. I don't know. It's between you and God. Let me tell you about Dave Kratz. Dave Kratz is a really good friend of mine. I love Dave. He's one of the pastors of East Swamp Church. Back in 2008, Dave went over to Scott, the Quakertown police chief, and, and went over to him and said, what can we as a church do for the community? What are your needs here in the community? And Scott began to talk to Dave about Main Street Park. It was called Main Street Park at the time. They had just opened up a skate park in Main Street Park. And Scott began to talk about parentless, directionless kids and how the park had become a liability and there was crime happening and many of these kids were impacted by the drug epidemic themselves. Scott said to Dave, you want to do something? Do something about that. So Dave said, okay. Well, if these are parentless kids, we're going to surround them with adults that love them. If they're directionless kids... We're going to give them a purpose. And so free fall started. Free fall isn't because we care about action sports. Free fall is because we care about the middle school and high schoolers in our community and in our neighborhood. Free fall exists to get those kids before they fall to the struggles of addiction. On September 22nd, we're going to have another free fall event. It's our huge competition, and I want to be honest, I want to saturate that park with Calvary people volunteering. I want to saturate that park with Calvary people who are just going to show up and love on those kids there. Because if you talk to Dave... And you talk to Nathan Good, pastor of Swamp Church, and myself, when we talk about the people of Freefall, we're tired of funerals for these young people. We're tired of their lives being taken away too soon. We can't sit back and do nothing. Maybe you need to get involved in free fall. I don't know. I don't know what God is calling you to do. Maybe it's free fall. Maybe it's hope against heroin. Maybe it's celebrate recovery. Maybe it's life on life. Maybe you need to be a life on life coach. You just saw that video. That is designed, it's, it, it's for one-on-one, -on -one, for people to walk alongside people who need help during times of difficulty, during times of crisis. It's to walk alongside someone and just be there. Maybe you need to volunteer to be a life coach. And you know what, Sowerton, I need you just to pause for a second because I want to talk to Quakertown for a second. Guys, I'm with you week after week, and you know that I love you, and you know I'm crazy about you, but I'm going to throw down with you right now. I know for a fact that there are people 
in your row. There are people in the row in front of you. There are people in the row in back of you that need a life-on-life coach. And so I do not want to get back to Quakertown next week without any sign-ups. I want you to sign up today to get training to be a life-on-life coach. Go to the hub after service and sign up today. I don't want to come back next week and no one has signed up for that. Because I know for a fact that people around you need it. And honestly, Souderton, the same goes for you. Guys, we will not be a church that sits back and does nothing while people all around us head to destruction. We cannot. We cannot. And that does not mean necessarily that we're going to start a new program or a class or a new ministry. That doesn't mean that. Because you want to know the truth? Your Calvary Church. You in Quakertown, your Calvary Church. Every person sitting in these chairs and sitting in the chairs in Quakertown, you are Calvary Church. What will we do? What will we do about it? You see, I believe that what we will do is this. We will continue the mission that Jesus started. We will be relentless in continuing the mission that Jesus started. We will continue with resolve, and we will rejoice like crazy when lives are changed. Because rescued people rescue people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much that you pursued us with such compassion, such power, such grace. Lord, give us the heart to do the same. Begin to stir in our hearts Open up our eyes to relationships we need to have. Open up our eyes to to places we need to be. Open up our eyes to people we need to support. Lord, there are people all around us who are dying. Lord, we ask you to bring life. We ask you to do something amazing in our communities, in our counties. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom. Give us the resolve to continue what you started. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.